Are either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Yeah, well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry? You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. Welcome back into the Screening Room Podcast. He is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And we are from MadWolf.com, recently named one of the top 100 movie blogs in the world. On Earth. By, Planet Earth. By Feedspot Blog Reader. How long can we keep mentioning that before it becomes obnoxious? Forever. <laughs> I, I, I like the sound of it. I don't think it's ever going to sound bad. Uh, we hope we don't become obnoxious. But yeah, check out the <laughs> website for all the written reviews of your favorite movies and other fun stuff, too. But this is where we get to talk about them in a little more depth. And I have a question for you. Is it Shark Week? You know what? If it isn't, it should be. <laughs> in a if way, not, why not? At the movies, it's Shark Week. But that's not where we're going to start. We're going to start with one that I think is probably going to be, if it doesn't dethrone Wonder Woman this week at the box office, it's probably going to come close because these movies always do well. And that I'd be is, worried about that. She's a badass. She is a badass. And this is Cars 3. I decide when I'm done. I can't go out on the track and do the same old thing. It won't work. I am so excited to train you. I like a challenge. <laughs> I call you my senior project. How you feeling? Have you seen the latest record Storm's been setting? Have you given any thought to retire? McQueen, over here. This is my last chance, Cruz. Last. If I lose, I never get to do this again. Don't fear failure. Be afraid of not having the chance. You have the chance. I used to watch you on TV, flying through the air. You seemed so fearless. I wish I knew what that felt like. Go, McQueen! I think it's no understatement to say that we both love Pixar. My goodness, yes. I mean, you're looking at the total lineup of Pixar, and it is frequently just great. But in the overall lineup, the Cars franchise sits pretty low in the batting order. Very, very low. Especially after the debacle that was Cars 2. I mean, that to me, I know some people liked it. I couldn't stand it. And it was a big step down. The good news here is that Cars 3 rebounds it nicely, but it never quite gets, it, it still doesn't bring this franchise anywhere close to the greatness of what Pixar has been. Now, maybe that's unfair, uh, because really, how many movies in general, you look at the best of Pixar, movies like the Toy Story trilogy, movies like Up, Up you know, they are, they're, that, I mean, even Inside Out yes. from a couple of years ago, yes. they are right up there with the best of movies in general. So maybe that's, maybe that's unfair. But No, when, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think it is, because if then you look at their whole lineup, and you, their tier two yeah. is stronger than most people's tier one, and Cars is tier three at best. Yeah, especially, and that's the first Cars. Especially when you look at the relatively short time that Disney Pixar has been around. Sure. To put out this amount of great, great stuff uh, is really unprecedented, and that's why they've set such a high bar that when a franchise like Cars that basically just says to the kids, hey, you love cars, you love talking cars, here they are, and sells a bunch of merchandise, that that's about it. But Because uh, it never reaches that, that deeper level as some of their best stuff. But we're back with Cars 3, and all your favorite voices are back, led by Owen Wilson as the legendary race car Lightning McQueen. And he is back on the race circuit, but suddenly he looks around, and it's being taken over, the whole, the whole community is being taken over by these quote-unquote next-gen race cars, all the new technology. You know, you might equate it to 
Moneyball in baseball, and it's now that's getting into football a little bit, all breaking things down to uh, to aspects that the old guard, and now that Lightning McQueen is, kind of looks at as these young whippersnappers. But uh, that's personified by his main rival now, Jackson Storm, a big high-tech car, and, and he's voiced by Army Hammer. So he starts winning all the races, and he does that, you know, that side-eye politeness, uh, giving quote-unquote respect to the legend, but when you really know what he's doing is mocking him. Sure. So uh, then McQueen's team is bought by a new owner, Mr. Sterling, and he is voiced by Nathan Fillion. We always love Nathan Fillion. We do love Nathan Fillion. Yeah, well, he is back, and so slowly you get the idea that really what Mr. Sterling has in mind for McQueen is not racing. He just wants him to be the face, the legendary face of the new team, and not really race because... He's past his prime. Why don't you just be a spokesperson and sell a bunch of merchandise? But uh, which is kind of a wink and a nod exactly. to what, what they're actually doing. <laughs> so I give them credit for that. But uh, so anyway, McQueen doesn't really want to do that. So they bring in this high-tech racing trainer. And she is voiced by Cristela Alonzo. The character name is Cruz Ramirez. And she, she's young and she kind of views, she's, she views Lightning McQueen as her, quote, senior project. <laughs> trying to get him up to speed to running with the new technology. But slowly, what's revealed is that's not really where her true love is, not training. She wants to be an actual racer. And that's where Cars 3 misses the chance to find that, that poignancy, that resonance that some of the Pixar movies, the best of the Pixar movies have found. Even when they're entertaining the kids, find that level of poignancy that makes, you know, let's be honest, makes some of the adults tear up sometimes. Well, and it's it's like the original, right? That was that was basically what Paul Newman's character was to Lightning McQueen is right. what now they're giving Lightning McQueen the opportunity to do, but but they they pass up on the on the chance to really make that heartfelt. Yeah, touching. and they they actually do that because they bring in some of the old um footage, the old voice work from Paul Newman as Doc and he's back. So they do make that parallel. So now he's moving on to the next stage maybe, uh, and hopefully if if Cruz here gets a chance to be a racer and maybe Lightning McQueen can move in to be the tutor. But, you know, there's still a lot to, that goes on between now and then, and there's a lot of race race footage. And I do have to say that the, the CGI and the animation, and I saw the 3D version, it is, I mean, they just keep moving on, speaking of new technology, to just greater heights with this stuff. It looks fantastic. And it seems like every week we have a movie to say that about. It looks fantastic, but it does. Pixar films often do. They though. often yeah, do. And this really one do. just has a little... I don't know. I'm I'm not really well versed in all the technology about this, but this one seems to have just a little extra shine to it. It really, it looks it looks amazing. Uh, so that's a big plus there. But but yeah, you're right. As it as it moves into this stage of life parallel, it has a chance to go deeper. And with a with a better script, it might have gone deeper. But it's satisfied with these believe in yourself easy platitudes that you can find in most any greeting card. It really don't cut any deeper and yeah. i think that the plot can get maybe a little convoluted for some of the younger ones mm. maybe they might lose lose a bit of interest there along the way but they're still again it's 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 cheerfully harmless sure it's gonna do it's, yeah it, uh, like we were saying earlier for just a, a summer movie to take your kids to on a hot afternoon it's fine it's yeah. just that when you when you stamp the Pixar label on something, you expect more. Exactly right. Yeah, the kids are still, especially if they've seen them before, uh, maybe if not even the theaters, maybe on video, so they know the names of these. 
And of course, Larry the Cable Guy is there to say his phrase not once, but twice. Okay, fine. Ugh. <laughs> but at least he's downplayed like he was not. He was the star of he was Cars star 2, of two which yeah. for me, because I'm sorry, I, Nails just, on a I don't think he's funny at all. If you think he's funny, then great. And I know it's hard to argue what's funny. If you think he's funny, he's funny. Well, who's, who am I to say? But I, I cannot stand the comedy of Larry the Cable Guy, so obviously I was not going to like Cars 2. But he's downplayed. He is there, but he is downplayed in Cars 3. So, yeah, I would, I would uh, label this cheerfully harmless. And uh, the kids are going to like it, a fine family film, but misses the chance to go deeper, which the best of Pixar does. And one you probably don't want to take the kids to on a hot <laughs> summer afternoon. Or on vacation by the water. <laughs> this is the story of two sisters vacationing in Mexico. They're trapped in a shark cage at the bottom of the ocean with less than an hour of oxygen left and a great white shark, many great white sharks circling nearby. They must fight to survive. 47 meters down. Seriously, you have to try. I don't even know how to dive. It's totally safe. Okay. Yeah. It's like you're going to the zoo, except you're in the cage. I don't know about this. Welcome aboard. Amazing. It kind of takes your breath away. Oh my god. Like the biggest shark. Cage goes in the water. Yep. Sharks in the water. Yep. Our shark. Farewell, and adieu <laughs> to you, fair Spanish lady. <laughs> you know, we're laughing about it. This, well, I saw the trailers, and I started hearing some, some early buzz, and I started to get, you know, get optimistic about this. These shark movies, they just keep, especially after The Shallows, and we'll talk more about that. But, um, you know, it's fun enough. It was... It, didn't quite hold up to what I thought it might be. No. But it's fun enough. And it's certainly, with that song in more, channels Jaws uh, in more than one occasion. But, yeah, it's fun enough. And, again, we're talking about incredible CGI. That, that saves a great deal of this. So, uh, Johan Roberts wrote and directed this. And, and, as you said, so last year, a surprise hit with The Shallows. Blake and it was Lively. surprisingly good. It was surprisingly good. It was like 50% eye candy because you knew they were going to have, somehow they were going to get her out of that wetsuit and into a bikini, and 50% girl power. Right? Although the ending was almost as ridiculous as oh, Jaws yeah. 2. No, it was. It, it kind of went there, was. but still, I'm with you. It was better yeah, than... Yeah, it was better yeah. than expected. Uh, and, and you sort of expect that that's what you're going to get again today because you've got these two women and they're going to have to somehow figure out, which right there, i gotta, I got to give you that. If I, Hope Madden, am trapped in a shark cage... <laughs> On the bottom of the ocean, I would just take off my mask and drown. I'd be like, done. I'm done now. Because you're a so, fighter. You're a fighter. Right. There's not a chance. <laughs> this, I, is, this is Mandy Moore. Mandy Moore is one of the sisters. And Claire Holt, who I wasn't familiar with, but she's the other sister. And we have a Matthew Modine sighting. We do. He's the captain. He's the captain. He's the quint. Yeah. So they're out there. And uh, Mandy Moore's character has just had a bad breakup. And she's worried that she's boring she was too yes. boring for her boyfriend so her sister more adventurous who we shall say is already an experienced scuba diver she cajoles her sister into doing something exciting and uh, going to mexico and doing the shark cage thing and they let her go in even though andy moore's character is not a scuba diver 
I just want to point something out really quick, which was such a convenience for this film. It was. It's a rickety ship. Nobody would go on the ship. It's an even more rickety sort of cage setup. Nobody would get in this cage. It's barely legal, right? And yet, I we dive. Yeah. I've never seen scuba gear that awesome. Right. Completely covers your face <laughs> so you can see their whole face. And, and there's microphones. That's the thing. Yeah, as scuba divers, you're going to nitpick a little bit. And it's, that's the biggest one. And once you get to a movie like this, it's really unfair. Look, they're not here to be right down to the letter, you know, authentic with scuba diving. That's fine. But, yeah, I thought that, too. Oh, really? <laughs> they have this incredible, incredible technology with their scuba gear. But, but it makes sense. They, in, the, in a movie, they're going to have to talk to each other. So, yes. of course, they're going to have this mask. So, you know, it's, it's that type of movie. Give them a pass. But so they end up in the shark cage, going down there to take some, some photos and make her boyfriend jealous because she's so exciting and vivacious now. And, of course, you know what happens. The winch breaks. Rope breaks and the winch breaks, and they're down at the bottom of the ocean floor with, yeah, about an hour of oxygen left, and things start happening. But it's interesting because I don't know if I've mentioned before, you know, I've, saw, I've seen the movie Jaws, like, I don't know how many, 50 sometimes. And I was also lucky enough when I was a boy to see it being filmed. I was at Martha's Vineyard vacationing when they were filming the movie so I because of that I read a lot of books and things about how the movie was made and, and how much trouble they had with this mechanical shark and really in the early going of, of uh, adapting the book Jaws the movie producers actually thought you could train a shark to do stuff. <laughs> so it's amazing then to look at a movie like this and think well look what they do now they just make these CGI sharks and they're incredible yeah so let's just break this down dialogue awful right Plotting, yeah. no way. No way they do this. <laughs> There's no way they do this, right? It's it's full of contrivance and uh uh but but it looks awesome. Once there are I mean, you know, he the director, he develops tension well, and you know it's gonna be nothing but jump scares, which is what it is, it's nothing but jump scares, but they're scary. You know, you find yourself I mean, I watch a lot of movies, I watch a lot of scary movies. I'm sitting there with my little notepad like I'm not gonna ah! So it's uh, you know Well, and let's be honest, there is one shot oh, specifically yeah. that is so great that really yeah. gets you. It's yeah, almost yeah. worth, as you said, the price of admission. There is one quote unquote money shot here, and it's a good one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And he does develop develop tension well. Um, in, and so don't expect a lot, you know. And honestly, don't expect the shallows because it, when it comes down to it, yes, it's two women in jeopardy. But this is not a girl power film. It's really not. On the other hand, it doesn't ogle anyone either. It's not chicks in bikinis that's, either. That's so right, it I, doesn't. No, yeah, give it credit for um, that. it's. It's and it's PG thirteen, but it's it's got a horror movie vibe about it. They're trying to scare you. That's what they're trying to do: yeah. build tension, scare you. And if that's what you feel like doing on a summer day, you know it's it's not a bad movie to watch. That's right. It's Four, fun. Forty seven meters can be a shameless fun on vacation or even at home. Right. And then we want to talk about one that tells the true and untold story of the prolific rapper, actor, poet, and activist Tupac Shakur. All eyes on me. We got a big platform, man. Use that platform to make change. You're trying to start a positive movement for black people by using negative symbolism like thug and outlaw. You got to enter in somebody's world in order to lead them out. You got to create a movement for our community. Make sure our people stay safe. Why the camera's all on me? Why me? Because I'm too tough. They are going to give you the tools that you need to destroy yourself. We must not hate those who have done wrong to us. For as soon as we hate them, we become just like them. Yeah, it's almost a surprise that it's taken this long because we've seen Tupac 
the character woven through movies such as Notorious and uh, Straight Outta Compton sure. as an ancillary character, but yet you realize he was so important to this whole narrative that it's about time he got his own movie focusing on his own life. Especially if you think about he was really a much bigger star than certainly Notorious B.I.G. Well, to the to the overall, to the mainstream community, I think more people probably knew about him sure. because he was also an actor. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to go into white suburbia, yeah, you're probably right. But And he was such an interesting interesting guy, especially if you don't know about his family and about his upbringing. And this really takes it all the way back to the beginning. It's, it's set up through a prison interview that he gave when he was in prison in 1995. And that kind of uses... The director, Benny Boom, uses that as a vehicle to go back and tell a story from when he was a, a, an early child growing up. And he was the son of a Black Panther. His mother was a Black Panther. And his stepfather was uh, named Shakur and uh, was a, a militant. And so they were constantly under FBI surveillance. So early, early part of the movie gets, on, uh, gets off to a good start, good footing. It, it sets the tone of the, the drive and the outrage that he learned as a boy and that drove some of his best work. But then as the movie goes along, it, it starts to lose its way a little bit because it's, it's a little bit too much concerned with being comprehensive, totally comprehensive, and that really is at its peril. As we see, a lot of these movies do. When they have these biopics, they're too concerned with telling the entire story. Okay, got to get this in, got to get this in. That, and that, is, in. that is usually what sinks one. Yeah, and it becomes unfocused. But let's start right at the top with the performance by Demetrius Ship Jr. Now, as far as that I can see, this is his debut. And I'll tell you what, he is fantastic. Not only does he look like Tupac. How amazing is it to come across an actor who has talent, who also, he looks just like him. It is, it is alarming. I'll tell you what, in some of the scenes, it's just, it's just uncanny, especially at the very end when they do show a little bit of uh, Tupac in one of his interviews. Mm-hmm. It's just, wow. I mean, he really looks like him. But he also delivers a great performance and a very promising performance of what he can do in the future. He's got the swagger. He's got the fire. He's got the drive. And then as he starts to make it, he's got the, you know, the braggadocio, kind of living the life a little bit Mm -hmm. that maybe brought him down to what brought his work down to a lower level than what he aspired to originally. As catchy as it might have been, I'm talking about his message. Because early on, he talked about wanting to, you know, spread a movement. You know, a message. And then as he got more, you know, as he got Money more successful, some of the some of the songs started to reflect that a little bit. But but the uh, the performance is fantastic. And it's equaled by the actress that plays uh, Mrs. Shakur, his mother, Denai Guerrera. And I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Probably know her from The Walking Dead. Oh, such a speaking of badasses. Yeah, she's a badass. But also, if you are interested, look up a movie from four years ago called Mother of George. Right. It is a movie that's slipped through the cracks. She is the lead, and she is just fantastic. Totally different type of role, but uh, what a great movie, Mother of George. But she is so good as Mrs. Shakur in this movie. And their scenes together are really what give this film its best emotional moments. They are really some effective scenes when they are together uh, in the movie, and that drives it. But then, as I said, it gets... Too much concern with all the details of everything that you've maybe heard about and it wants to cover. Possible feuds, you know, early friendship with Biggie Smalls and then possible feuds in that East Coast, West Coast thing. And then you got to get Suge Knight in there. and You got to get Snoop Dogg, a little bit of Dr. Dre. 
all that. It's it's more concerned with telling as much of the story as it can, as opposed to how well it can tell the parts of his life that can show you the depth of what made him such an icon. That is where this movie stumbles, and unfortunately, it stumbles pretty badly at times, especially when I was really hopeful in the beginning. I thought it was setting a nice vibe and a nice tone, and it just again it became too concerned with being a more of a, a, a documentary or something on one of those biography channels, something like that. And that's what that's what sinks it at the end, and it's too bad because he's certainly a life that deserves a type of more, more of a a type of a straight out of Compton, which is a much better movie. It deserves maybe maybe a director that's a little more seasoned. This mm. Benny Boom and his writers uh, have a, resumes filled with a lot of TV work, a lot of music videos. So at least he's well versed in that area. But as far as the nuances of bringing storytelling, it to the big screen, yeah. storytelling, some of the transitions between the scenes are awful clunky, awful TV worthy. So that's where it starts to break down. But I'll tell you, it's worth it for the two lead performances for sure. And also, it is worth seeing, especially if you've seen Notorious and Straight Outta Compton, to get, you know, the rest of the story. And I will say, I was glad to see Jamal Woolyard, who played Notorious B.I.G., and was very good in the movie Notorious. He gets to reprise the role. He plays uh, Biggie Smalls again in this movie. Not the biggest of roles, pun, no pun intended. But uh, he's an actor, I thought, he, he was good enough, really good in Notorious, to get more roles. I know he his size, he's a big Limits guy. Limits him, sure. But still, uh, it was nice to see him again, and I hope he gets more work. So uh, he shows up again. But yeah, the two lead performances for sure drive this, and I'll be looking to see what uh, Demetrius Shipp Jr. does in the future. So even though I would say, ultimately, it's worth seeing, I thought it was a bit disappointed by All Eyes on Me. And we've got a comedy this week, too. One movie that reminded us of another movie. Things go terribly wrong for a group of girlfriends who hire a male stripper for a bachelorette party in Miami. It's Rough Night. This is it. Your bachelorette weekend. Oh, God. Woo! Let's get to the beans. Let's get to the beans. Make it feel special. My turn. Let's get rid of all the drugs. Want it. Help by doing them. <coughs> this can still be the best weekend of our lives. I have pretty low expectations for this, to be honest with you. Well, first of all, we're not the only ones. You see that trailer and you think... Very bad things. Exactly. I don't know how many people remember that movie because it, it was like the a late 90s. Do. I've but, heard from a few right, people. But it's... It, appears to be a wildly similar premise. It does, yeah. Uh, you know, and then also as you watch it, you're going to be reminded of Bridesmaids for a number of reasons, uh, The Hangover, and really uh, any crazy girls weekend movie. And I was I was worried about it. On the other hand, you can't go wrong with this cast. Scarlett Johansson, talented no matter what she does. Oh, yes. Comedy, drama, no matter what she does. Zoe Kravitz, also very talented. And then three hilarious human beings. Kate McKinnon, yes. Jillian Bell, <laughs> and Ileana Glazer. From Broad City. From Broad City. Yeah. So I, was, I thought to myself, well, even if the movie isn't very good, some of these people are bound sure. to be very, very funny. Because Kate McKinnon really can steal anything even if maybe the script isn't funny she's done it in like office christmas party she yeah. will steal a scene yeah and she does here she does and and but so does jillian bell and so i mean oh, the yeah. whole cast they're really really she was an office fun. christmas party too so yeah, i know right. yeah they both that's can do right. it yeah 
Um, so, yeah, so this group of, of college besties get together for Scarlett Johansson's bachelor, bachelorette party, and then Kate McKinnon is a friend from Australia who flies in for it, yeah. which is one of the funny bits. Is her... And she wants to be a country singer, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Singer-songwriter is the dream party clown is the reality. <laughs> so that's a good line. It's got a lot of good lines. The story itself is... Well, it's borrowed. I mean, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, not not very much of it is is super unique. Well, it's uh, hardly the first movie to borrow things. Let's no, be real. No, and 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 I don't think they're really trying to break any new ground with their narrative. I think the point is that they they can put people in this particular situation and have them behave in a way where because there's so many movies where let's not call the police and you're like why are you not this is insane why are you <laughs> but uh, they do it it's funny but it's somewhat realistic it doesn't feel very forced more than anything there's just a great chemistry among these five people and they say a lot of really really funny things it is not a brilliant movie by any stretch but i laughed repeatedly and there's also this incredibly bizarre <laughs> side plot with her fiance that <laughs> I, I had to just stare at and think, what? That, all right. Okay. I'm going to go with this. Well, and it was directed and co-written by another uh, Lu- Broad City alum. Yeah. Lucia Aniello, Aniello. Who she does writing and directing for the TV show Broad City, which right. if you haven't seen, you really need yeah, to. Yeah, we haven't watched every episode, but when we have, it's funny stuff. Oh, you know, it's very funny. And it's very wrong-headed funny, which is what a lot of this film is as well. You know, and there Nothing are wrong some, with that. There are a lot of bits that just don't work, that you're kind of sorry that they threw in there. But, I mean, on the whole, I was going to say harmless. It's a, definitely an R-rated film. There's no getting around it. But, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a fun raunchy comedy. So if you like R-rated comedies, and I do. I know that you do. That <laughs> might be the thing this weekend. Some fun stuff coming out on a home video, though. Yeah, fun one coming out this week on home video, the Lego Batman movie. We love the Lego movie so much. We were so looking forward to Lego Batman, and it was a lot of fun. It was. It was tons of fun, and, and the, the additional characters and additional voices really, really rounded it out in super fun ways. I mean, the cheeky, funny, interesting sense of humor that the Lego movies have, plus the way they look, you know? I mean, I'm sure that if you didn't play with Legos, you would still enjoy them, but we spent, with our (laughs) son, a great deal of time with Lego movies, and it's clear that the people who put these together really, really, like, understand us. Right, exactly. (laughs) So that's the leader this week on Home Video. Also coming out, John Wick. Two, as I think I've mentioned before, I am not a fan of John Wick 1, although, boy, it has a cult following. John Wick 2, a little better. Yes, I like, you know, um, what the one thing that we can agree on that we liked in John Wick, the first one, was the whole hotel aspect, Love right? the hotel. Well, that's really where they go in the second one. There's two. There's one in Rome, and then there's, there's still the one in New York City. And, and, I mean, it's ridiculous beyond measure, where eventually, apparently, every living, breathing human being is actually an undercover uh, hitman just waiting for some sort of an alert, but that's okay. There's a lot of action. It's it's dumb, but it's fun, and uh, and you know I enjoyed it. Also coming out this week, Cable 19. It's got Anna Kendrick, Lisa Kudrow, Craig Robinson, Margot Martindale. Who's oh, a great we do love her. So we love, but yeah. ultimately this one was quite a disappointment. Its its character has been relieved of her maid of honor duties, and then she has been unceremoniously dumped by the best man via text. So she gets put at a random table. Uh, and so of random characters she has to interact with. So kind of a character study, kind of a chance for the actors 
to maybe do a little improv, but it was a disappointment. Yeah, it was one of the movies. It was written by the Duplass brothers, and if you're familiar with them, you know that their stuff can be handled well or it can really bomb. And this just one, it just didn't work, which is too bad. It is a great cast. And then the other one, Bitter Harvest. Uh, how many times am I going to complain this year about the Ottoman Empire? <laughs> this is a one lot. of 50 movies that I've had to see for no reason I can think of that involve the Ottoman Empire. And so far, I've not seen one worth watching. So that should tell you all you need to know about Bitter Harvest. Next week, the big one coming out, and I think it comes out early in the week. They're starting to stagger these as the summer goes yes. on. Yes. But uh, the latest and maybe the last for Transformers, no the last night, I'll tell you what. There was a lot of big stink made here in the last couple weeks about movie bombs like The Mummy yep. and, a, and, a, and like uh, Baywatch. Yep even though I liked it better than most. And people starting to say, oh, the critics, you know, we got to do something about Rotten Tomatoes. The critics have too much control. Well, here's an, here's an example where the critics, including us, hate these Transformers you know, movies. And I they make say, a billion dollars. I Obviously, I'm going to be biased about that criticism, but I hate that criticism. Oh, I know. Because what they're saying is we need to hoodwink people into spending $15 on a movie that sucked. The Mummy is a terrible it movie. Is. And they have no business making it. I'm, and there are great scripts that aren't being made. I'm just saying that's such an yes, easy cop-out. it is. No, the trouble is not that we made a crappy movie. Right. The trouble is that all these people pointed that fact out. That's what we've got to get around. Exactly. And I'm saying here is a, one of the many examples where, look, if people want to go see your crappy movie, they're going to do it. Yep. And they've proven that they want to go see Transformers movies as much as we say they're bad. And this one, I'm, hey, this one might be great. We haven't seen it, so we, we will keep an open it. mind. The one that our mind is way, way open for, the one that we cannot wait to see. I think this might be the one I'm most excited for the rest of the summer, Baby Driver. Baby Driver, the latest from Edgar Wright, and um, it's getting all sorts of buzz. And, yeah, you're right. It's got me excited as well. So that's coming out. And also another one we're very excited about that you just got to see last night, The Bad Batch. That's right. Anna Lily Amapour, who directed a movie a couple years ago called A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, love which it. we love. So it's an obscure horror movie. If you haven't seen it, find it. You will love it. And this is her sophomore effort. We're very excited about it. And I got to see it last night. Uh -huh. We'll talk about it next week. All right. We'll do. So until then, keep the conversation going on Twitter. We always love to talk about movies. We are at Mad Wolf, M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F. You can find us on Facebook at Mad Wolf Columbus for Columbus, Ohio, which is our home base. And as we mentioned, MadWolf.com is the main website. The Screening Room Podcast is a presentation of the Columbus Radio Group and MadWolf.com. So until next week, I'm George Wolf. I'm Hope Madden. And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye.